our Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to fellowship with you. We ask, Lord, that the time we will spend with you now shall be one where your promises will be fulfilled in our lives. You have promised us, saying that we should reason together, and that though our sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow, and if they are red as crimson, that they will be as wool. Lord, we pray that as we fellowship with you now, that your word shall be spoken to us, that we may indeed reason with you, and you may cleanse us with your word. We pray, Father, for the gift of your Holy Spirit upon all of us. Grant us understanding. Put your words in my mouth, that through these words we all shall be sanctified and edified and lifted up to heavenly places. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, May 11 She kept her promise. I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 11 Elkanah, a Levite of Mount Ephraim, was a man of wealth and influence, and one who loved and feared the Lord. His wife, Hannah, was a woman of fervent piety. Gentle and unassuming, her character was marked with deep earnestness and a lofty faith. The blessing so earnestly sought by every Hebrew was denied this godly pair. Their home was not gladdened by the voice of childhood, and the desire to perpetuate his name led the husband, as it had led many others, to contract a second marriage. But this step, prompted by a lack of faith in God, did not bring happiness. Sons and daughters were added to the household, but the joy and beauty of God's sacred institution had been marred and the peace of the family was broken. Penina, the new wife, was jealous and narrow-minded and she bore herself with pride and insolence. To Hannah, hope seemed crushed and life a weary burden. Yet, she met this trial with uncomplaining meekness. The burden which she could share with no earthly friend, she cast upon God. Earnestly, she pleaded that he would take away her reproach and grant her the precious gift of a son to nurture and train for him, and she made a solemn vow that if her request was granted, were granted, she would dedicate her child to God even from its birth. Hannah's prayer was granted. She received the gift for which she had so earnestly entreated. As she looked upon the child, she called him Samuel, asked of God. As soon as the little one was old enough to be separated from its mother, she fulfilled her solemn vow. She loved her child with all the devotion of a mother's heart 
day by day her affections entwined about him more closely as she watched his expanding powers and listened to the childish prattle he was her only son the especial gift of heaven but she had received him as a treasure consecrated to god and she would not withhold from the giver his own faith strengthened the mother's heart and she yielded not to the pleadings of natural affection amen The title of our, our devotion for today is She Kept Her Promise. We left off with a solemn lesson from the life of one of the privileged and prestigious judges of Israel, Samson. And after the days of Samson, we don't hear of any other judge but he who we are going to talk about later, which is Samuel. The space between the death of Samson and the time of uh, Hannah in which we are now a lot went on in Israel if you read the book of Judges it will tell you in those days there was no king and everybody did what was right in their own eyes you hear of the Danites who had a priest ordained to themselves everybody building an effort for themselves having idols for themselves many and some worshiping wherever they liked instead of worshiping where the Lord wanted them to worship and that's what will make us understand that Hannah and her husband Elkanah were actually godly people. In their days, the Danites for example and many other tribes were not necessarily following the Lord in harmony with his will. The Lord had ordained Shiloh as the place where everyone should come to offer their sacrifices and burn their burnt offerings. But the children of Israel did what was right in their own eyes, ordained priests for themselves that were not from the family of Aaron, anybody that's a Levite just ordained, some will even ordain their own child like Micah, the Danite the Ephraimite rather he ordained his own son to be his priest for his own worship center that he made and then he saw a Levite one day and ordained the man for a, to be a priest to himself and every Levite is not a priest, there's a difference between a priest and a Levite, a priest is from the house of Aaron Levites are just Levites, people from the tribe of Levi. And this was how things were in the days of Hannah. But we see Hannah and her husband Elkanah, they usually go to Shiloh to worship, to show that indeed these were not just the normal popular Israelites, these were the faithful ones of Israel. But as we have just read in the devotion, it's a popular story, Hannah did not have a child, her husband for the reason of wanting to perpetuate his name, married another wife, Penina. And we'll talk about the reason for having children in our devotion later. But for today, we're looking at she kept her promise. Hannah did something that we can learn from, something that many of us may have even failed in. And today, the Lord would want to bring our minds to this issue of keeping promises. When Hannah, being wounded, and oppressed by Penina went to the house of the Lord to worship being oppressed there she wept and she went to the Lord in the book of 1st Samuel chapter 1 verse 9 it says so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore 
and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she, now Hannah, she spake in, the, in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Bilia, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went away and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. That's an expression of faith, by the way. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord, Hannah did give her son over to God as she promised. When we read for verse 27 and 28, she said, For this child I prayed, and the Lord had given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Amen. She kept her promise. In this story, so simple, yet it is something that when we look at it carefully, we have many lessons to learn from here. Hannah made a promise to God that if the Lord gave her a man-child, that she would receive, uh, return that child to God. We need to understand that there is something about this natural affection between parents and their children. And to promise to give the Lord your child is something that all of us should do. But it's not something that everybody does nonetheless. But not focusing on the issue of the child alone. We focused rather on the issue of the promise she made. She fulfilled her word. When she said she would do this, especially speaking to the Lord, making a vow, she did exactly what she said. After she had received what she requested from God, she fulfilled her vow of giving her son to God. She made a vow to God and fulfilled that vow without changing her mind. This is the lesson for us in our relationship with God. So let's talk about vows and promises. Generally talk about our word in general. Just talk. In the book of Deuteronomy 23, verse 21, it's the Lord said, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it will be seen in thee. Let us chew on that for a while and now ask ourselves, How many times have I made vows to the Lord? Have I been slack to pay it? Have I even forgotten that I made a vow to the Lord I cannot even remember? Maybe I did. 
spoken carelessly or we know we made one perhaps the time has not come to fulfill it or the time has passed and we have not fulfilled it now is the time for self-examination the lord said that whenever we make a vow unto him we should not not that we shouldn't pay it but we should not be slack that is the word i take it again Deuteronomy 23 verse 21 when thou shalt vow a vow unto the lord thy god thou shalt not slack to pay it for the lord thy god will will surely require it of thee and it will be seen in thee but for hannah here is what we read about her conflict and courage page 137 paragraph 6 as soon as the little one was old enough to be separated from his mother she fulfilled her solemn vow she loved her child with all the devotion of a mother's heart day by day her affections entwined about him more closely as she watched his expanding powers and listened to the childish prattle he was her only son the special gift of heaven but she had received him as a treasure consecrated to god and she would not withhold from the giver his own end of quote as soon is what we read as soon as the little child was old enough to be separated she gave him she was not slack to pay her vow it is a part of the edification of god to you today to bring you up to a higher standard than where you have been maybe before you have taught that whenever you say something to the lord you fulfill it at your own will you shouldn't be slack to pay your vows the matter of vowing is addressed by the third commandment which forbids us to take the name of god in vain when we swear or make a promise or vow we bring god into our matters to be a witness to our words that means whatever we say must then be fulfilled or must be faithful and true perjury and violation of oaths are prohibited by the third commandment so here's what it means i say something and i say I'm, 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 I'm making this statement to God. I'm saying it is you who I'm talking to. And this is what I'm telling the Lord. I'm going to do this if you do this for me. The reason why God is so particular about returning and paying vows, it is because it is within his character to pay vows and to fulfill his word. And that's the reason why he wants us to be like him. The Lord does not say something and go back on his word. And he wants us to do like that too. That whenever we say something, we fulfill our word. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 4 to 6 says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error, wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands. Do you see the consequences of making a vow and not paying it? When you are talking to the Lord, he will be angry at your words and even destroy the work of your hands. And don't think the Lord is joking. He's serious. And that's why we should be examining ourselves now. The Lord is not joking in this matter. It is his character to fulfill his own end of bargains he makes. And he wants us to be like him. He does not forget our vows, just like he doesn't forget his own. We too shouldn't forget his vow. 
If the Lord has made a vow to us, He is certainly going to fulfill it. And what is it to have faith in someone? To have faith in someone is to believe their word. That is what faith is. What is faith in God? We are told in Romans 10 verse 16, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you hear God's word, it is for us to exercise faith in it. What do we mean by faith? Believing that what he said he will do. And when God hears our own word, he expects us to do what we said. That is what it means to be faithful. That is called faithfulness and the Lord wants us to be faithful. And he doesn't forget, remember what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 21 that the Lord will surely require it. And look at an example here. Remember when Jacob left his father's house after deceiving Esau and his father. He, when he was going to sleep in the night and he put a rock as his pillow, that night he slept and then he saw angels climbing up a ladder from heaven down and up to heaven, down to the earth and up to heaven. When he woke up, he said, this place is the house of God and I did not know it. The Lord in that dream promised him that he was going to be with him. Now hear what Jacob said after that. In Genesis 28 verse 20 to 22 he says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tent unto thee. Now, when Jacob had stayed in the house of Laban for the number of years that the Lord wanted him to stay, the Lord appeared to him and do you know how the Lord introduced himself to him? Let me show you. Genesis 31, reading from verse 11. It says, uh, 11, it says, And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here am I. Verse 13. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. God was fulfilling his own end. The bargain that Jacob made with God was, if you will prosper me in the way that I am going, I will also do this for you. Now, all this while God had been with him in Laban's house and had prospered him. Now the Lord appeared to him in the dream because it was now time to return to the Lord. He wasn't supposed to be slack because we are told don't be slack to pay. That means there's a time. It's not as if Jacob would pay the vow that he requested when he didn't have the means to. He had the means to now and the Lord came to remind him, I am that God who you vowed to in Bethel. The Lord will require it. Deuteronomy 23 verse 21. That's what we read. Now, it's important that we also use this matter of vows to make commitments to God. Jacob and also Jephthah and Hannah made vows to God that if God does one thing for them, they will do something for God. So even when we are making vows to the Lord, we cannot make vows that are irrelevant to the Lord and we cannot request for things from the Lord that is not something that he has promised to give. Hannah asked for a child and the Lord has said he will give children. And uh, Jacob asked for protection. And the Lord has also said he is a protector. They didn't ask for things that the Lord cannot give, which he has not said he will give. They asked based on God's word, things that the Lord has promised that he will give. And they also vowed to give something that is relevant to God. Learn how to 
keep relationships with God in this manner. Vows are not bad. But the Bible says it's better you don't even vow than to make a vow and you don't fulfill it. Be careful with your words is what the Bible says. Now, what kind of vows can we give? In the book of Leviticus 22, reading from verse 18, there it says, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons and unto all the children of Israel and say unto them, Whatsoever he be of the house of Israel or of the strangers of Israel that will offer his oblation for all, the, for all his vows and for all his freewill offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord for a burnt offering, you shall offer out your own will. Now look at the condition. A male without blemish of the beeves or of the sheep or of the grass. But the focus there is without blemish. Verse 20, it says, But whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall ye not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. And whosoever offered a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow or a freewill offering in beeves or in sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein, blind or broken or maimed or having a wen or scurvy or scabbed, you shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord, either bullock or lamb or that hath anything superfluous or lacking in his parts, that mayest thou offer for a freewill offering. But for a vow it shall not be accepted. You shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or broken or cut, neither shall you make any offering thereof in your land. Neither from a stranger's hand shall you offer the bread of your God of any of these, because their corruption is in them, and blemishes be in them. They shall not be accepted for you. From here we learn principles. The things that are mentioned, the beeves and the goats and the rest, is not really what matters. That's not what the Lord is teaching that whenever you're making a vow. Those things, you remember, you just see the Lord is listing them, whatever it is. But the main lesson the Lord is teaching is, it should be something perfect. That was his words. Anything we are giving unto the Lord as a vow should be something perfect and not something that has blemish in it. So, if you are making a promise to the Lord, don't go and get things that are not of the best quality and give it to God when you have something better with you. In the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verse 14, we are told, but cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Before this in verse 8, God had asked the question, And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? So the principle is, whatever it is you are making a vow to the Lord for, and I wouldn't just stop at vow, whatever it is you are giving to the Lord, even if it is not a vow, we should try as much as possible to ensure that we are giving of our best to the Lord. Then, with respect to vows, we need to understand that vows are not things God required from us. Let's make the difference. Vow is not like tight and offerings which the Lord has said we should do. Vows are things that we of our own will, God never requested it, but we said, I will do this. Now, it's very important that we separate that from the obligation we have towards God. Nobody is obligated to make a vow. But when we say it, we obligate ourselves to do it. 
So it is very important that we separate that from the obligation we all have as individuals to God. And that's important as we read the book of Numbers 30 to understand when a vow may not be returned to the Lord. In Numbers 30, reading from verse 2, it says, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeded out of his mouth. Now look at the difference, verse 3. If a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house in her youth, and her father hear her vow and her bond with her, wherewith she bound her soul and her father shall hold his peace at her, then all her vows shall stand and every bond wherewith she had bound her soul shall stand. But if her father disallow her in the day that he hear it, not any of her vows or her bonds wherewith she had bound her soul shall stand, and the Lord shall forgive her, because her father disallowed it. And if you keep reading, the same goes to the wife. But like I said, this does not apply to fulfilling our obligation in tithes, in offerings, and in keeping the commandments of God. Some people want to use this passage to put people on a guilt trip, especially women, and tell them, oh, the Bible said that if you'd say you are going to do something for the Lord, and then I, as your father or husband, says you shouldn't go ahead and do it, that you are not going to be held by the Lord for not doing it. It is a lie. The Lord requires everyone, just like Achan's wife, to be an individual in obedience to his commandments. If not, if you follow your father or your husband in disobedience to God and say, oh, it's my father that told me to disobey God, or it's my or my husband that told me no you are responsible for that what this passage is referring to is vow it is not commandments vows vows can be you say i'm going to give this amount of money to the lord or and 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 the context of this is based on the thing of the fact that the things that are vowed actually belong to the father or the husband but if it is a personal property of the woman or the or the lady then they are not obligated the, the, the vow is not um, annulled and she is not be, she cannot be disallowed by her father if it is your own personal property your life is your own and if you give your life over to god not even your father or husband has the right to say that you cannot give your life in service to god but when it comes to things that may not necessarily be a violation of god's commandments something that a lady or woman wants to do that if she doesn't do that and she's not really violating God's commandments, if the husband or the father refuses, then the Bible is saying that she is disallowed. The Lord will not hold her responsible for not doing it. So it's good that we understand the whole of the Bible. It's, some people want to neglect this passage, but it's good we still know everything the word of God is saying. Another area that we can look at this issue of vows, and by the way, we are supposed to look at every word of ours as a vow. If you say something to the Lord, you don't need to say, I vow or I promise. No. As far as you have said to the Lord, I will do this. You are already making a promise. You are making a vow to the Lord. You don't need to say, oh, I did not say I vowed unto him. Or I did not say I swear unto him. Or I did not say I promise the Lord. No. You don't need to say I promise. You don't need to say I swear or I am making a vow. As far as you said, I am going to do this. You are making a vow. So don't. Some people want to excuse themselves and say, Oh, I did not tell you I promised you. I did not tell you it was a vow. I did not tell you it was an oath. The word of God says your word should be sure. Let your yea be yea and let your nay be nay. We'll get to that. But Jesus himself said so actually. Reading the book of Matthew chapter 5, 
From verse 33 it says, Again, you have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh evil. James, also reiterating this in the book of James, chapter 5, said concerning it, reading James chapter 5, verse 12, he says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay lest you fall into condemnation. The Lord takes our words seriously. In the book of Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37, He said, But every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, when we take these principles into our business, we realize that we ought to really stand by what we say, and not to deceive anyone. It is an important thing to God that we stand by our word, in the book of Psalms, reading chapter 15, the Lord identifying those who will be in his kingdom singled out these characteristics where he said in Psalm, Psalms 15 from verse 1, he says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And the answer is given, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. And in verse 4 it says, in whose eyes a vile person is contempt, but he honoured them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. That is one characteristic. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. Also in the book of Psalm 24, reading from verse 3, it says, Who shall ascend into the holy hill, into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? And the answer is given, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, he who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. It is deceit to tell God, Give me this and I will do this to you. I will do this for you. And then when it is your turn to do what you said you would do, you will not do it. That is deception. And that's why even in our businesses, Remember what you read in Psalms 15. It says, He that sweareth to his own heart. That does not necessarily mean somebody who said, I swear I will do this. No. That is, he that said he will do something and continues to do that thing. He eventually fulfills his word, even when he realizes that fulfilling his word is going to be to his own temporal disadvantage. In business, we should ensure that we also follow the same principle. Like I said, this is a high standard. The Lord wants to lift us up. Reading from Child Guidance, page 154, paragraph 1, it says, If in any matter you make a statement as to what you will do, and afterward find that you have favored others to your own loss, do not vary a hair's breadth from principle. Carry out your agreement. By seeking to change your plans, you would show that you could not be depended on. And should you draw back, in little transactions, you will draw back in larger ones. Under such circumstances, some are tempted to deceive, saying, I was not understood. My words have been taken to mean more than I intended. The fact is, 
they meant just what they said, but lost the good impulse and they wanted to draw back from their agreement, lest it prove a loss to them. The Lord requires us to do justice and to love mercy and truth and righteousness." End of quote. Could it be that Hannah also, after her son was growing and she was getting so attached to him, she would have also said, oh Lord, I did not mean I was really going to take him to the temple. I just meant I was going to train him for you, not necessarily to take him to be to the temple to stay there forever and ever. That was not really what I meant. What I meant was that I will bring up the, the, my son for the Lord. In other words, I will call his name Samuel. And whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for the Lord and start to prevaricate and change her mind. The Lord knows our heart and let's not play with him. This issue of saying you will do something and when you don't do it, it shows a lack of faithfulness on our path. One of the judges who was there before Samson, who I have talked about before, his name is Jephthah. Jephthah was a man who was a faithful person indeed. You know, some of these men, when you read their story, you realize oh, they have faults in their lives, but they had some remarkable qualities also. Jephthah may not be, have been the most moral of persons, but nevertheless, he was a man who was faithful to his word. When it was time for him to be used by the Lord to deliver Israel from the hand of their enemies, Jephthah made a statement to the Lord and he vowed a vow and said he will do something. Now let's read it from the book of Judges chapter 11 from verse 30. It says, And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands, and he smote them from Aroah, even till thou cometh to minute even twenty cities and unto the plain of the vineyards with a great a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah came to Mizpeh unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dance, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which has proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee, of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. Verse 39 says, And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And she knew no man, and it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Giladite, four days in a year. So here is a man who swore to his own hurt and he fulfilled it. There's a lesson for us. His only daughter 
his only child. The Bible says he had neither son nor daughter outside his lady. And when he made his vow, he said, I cannot turn back. And he did what he said he would do. And it is important for us to have this kind of character, for this is the character of the Lord. Like I had said earlier, the third commandment forbids us from speaking deceitfully. You cannot tell somebody, I will do this, and eventually you change your mind. It shows that you cannot be trusted. It shows that you are not faithful. And the Lord is not like that. Why do we trust the Lord? Why do we call him the faithful God? He swears to his own hurt. When he selected the children of David to be the one through whom the Messiah will come, the Bible records that they did more evil than the rest of the Israelites. In fact, the tribe of Judah, the Bible records that they even committed sin far more than Israel, which is the rest of the children of Israel, and even more than the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Ammonites that were in the land before them. The Lord was supposed to rightfully say, I am not going to fulfill my end of the bargain. But what did the Lord do? He continued to fulfill his end of the bargain. He did not turn back. He fulfilled his word. And this is the character the Lord wants us to have, fulfilling your word even to your own hurt. Do not always look at your own advantage before you do something. The Lord Jesus died on the cross of Calvary faithfully because he had already promised from the day man sinned that he was going to do that and he fulfilled his word when it was time. And to what purpose? Was there any benefit in it it for him? There was no benefit in it for him. There was every benefit in it for us. He swore to his own hurt. He said he was going to do something and he did it even when it was going to be something that will hurt him. And that's a lesson that we should learn. Vows and fulfilling our words in general, they build relationships. We trust the Lord. We worship him more when he fulfills his word and he always does that. And if we want to have a good relationship with the Lord, we should do the same thing. But the Bible tells us that if you cannot do it to your fellow man, how can you do it with God? The Lord will not accept anything that someone is saying, oh, I'm being faithful to the Lord, but to your fellow man, you are being deceitful. If Hannah had failed to do her own end of the bargain, then she would have sworn deceitfully. Remember what we read just now in Psalms chapter 24? It says, you shall stand in the holy hill of the, of the Lord. It says, those that do not swear deceitfully. What does it mean to swear deceitfully? It simply means to say you will do something and then eventually, when the other person has fulfilled their own end of the bargain, you now, when it is your turn, you don't fulfill it. That is deception. And Hannah did not do that. And so with Jephthah, Jacob, and the Israelites when they swore unto God. Can a man deceive God? How do we feel when a mere child thinks that they can deceive us? They will tell us, we will tell them to do something and then we will say, okay, they said they will do this and eventually they don't do their part. It's quite offensive and daring, isn't it? Then think of all that surrounds it when we do the same to a just and holy God. Are we intending to deceive him? Remember what we read in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It says that anyone who comes to the Lord should be careful what they say with their mouths. And in verse 6 it says, Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? And then we are even asked, Are you stronger than him? We should be careful with the promises that and the vows we make. And generally, just be careful with what you say you are going to do. Make sure you fulfill it. Whatever it is you have agreed to do in a bargain, especially when it is something that's an exchange, when you tell somebody, if you do this, I will do this, be careful to fulfill your own end. Let your yea, yes be yes, and your no be no. 
do you know that so many wars and bloodshed has taken place because of this? The Israelites kept to their word when they realized that the Gibeonites deceived them. Even though it was a deception, they bore it nevertheless. Think of what it would have looked like if the Gibeonites someday, perhaps because they become powerful, they now think that they are no longer to hold on to the agreement that they made with Israel. Imagine one time maybe Israel is now on a low point and the Gibeonites are now strong and the Gibeonites now tell Israel, oh, we are no longer going to keep on to the a covenant we made with you because we made it at a time when we were uh, we're not as strong as we are right now. What would that have looked like? It would have been treachery. Very huge one. There's a man today called Xi Jinping, the president of North Korea. He started as a wild fanatic, fanatical man. There's something I observed about him, I think that was in 2019, that it made me wonder and it touched my heart. It was what he said actually. When some some basketballers from the United States of America came to North Korea and promised him and said, we're going to give you a gift for your birthday. And what was that? That they were going to play basketball with the North Korean basketball team. And he was expecting them not to fulfill it. But they came and they did it. And he told them something, I'm paraphrasing. His words to them was, This is one of the rare times that people who make promises to me fulfill their words and he said many they say things and they never do it you know if you know North Korea you understand that people actually it'll be true what we're reading what he said you see when we fulfill our vows and it made them to build a relationship with him this is someone who everybody fears like oh he's he's unapproachable and all of that but look at these basketballers talking with him shaking hands with him happy why they made a promise and they fulfilled it it made him trust them more And he told them, I trust you now because you said something and you did it. When we say something and we do it, it builds our relationship and it builds it positively. And that's why it's important to take note of our words. You tell somebody, I'm going to meet you at so and so time. Be careful if you cannot meet it for some circumstance. Try as much as possible to make it good and uh, maybe let the person know that it may not be possible for you we know that at times we say we will do things and it is not possible for us to fulfill it but let's be careful what we say we will do and as much as possible when we say we will do something let us be faithful to do that thing it is a high standard but yet it is something that we must rise up to breaking of vows and agreements also break relationships how about the marriage vow do you think about it now when somebody says oh till then do us part and then they don't do what they are supposed to do how does it feel to the other party it's heartbreaking but you should apply that everywhere, even in business. If you tell somebody, I'm going to do this, and you see that it's going to hurt you to do it, you have to do it. If you expect your husband or your wife to fulfill their marriage vow, then fulfill your word too everywhere because it's the same thing. It's no, it's no difference really. The marriage vow, whatever word you said you're going to do for anybody, you also should be careful to fulfill your vows. When the marriage vow is broken, we all know what it feels like. Now, like I said, think of what happens when nations break their vows and business people also do the same thing. It causes wars and fightings and discord. This is the reason that it is so important to fulfill our vows, even to one's own hurt, that is to our own disadvantage. Fulfill it. There are many nations fighting now because they had agreements and one person failed to fulfill their end of the agreement. And I would advise anyone, if you see people who do not fulfill their agreements, fear them. Do not think that you can enter into into covenants with people who do not keep to their words 
I look at what's happening in the nations. Some people are just always sentimental and emotional, not really thinking properly to understand how does God look at this thing. You see, this nation is fighting the other nation. But what happened from the onset? One said, I will do this. The other one said, I will never do this. This is our agreement. Suddenly, years later, the other one is saying, that thing I said I will never do, I want to do it now. And then the other one is looking disappointed. Why are you doing something that you said we will never do? I thought we had an agreement. Then the next thing, fight breaks out. It's the same thing that happens in our businesses and our relationships. And that is why the commandment of God is important. It gives peace. It helps us to maintain unity in the world. The reason why the world is the way it is is because we are going away from God's commandment. The third commandment that makes us to say you should not use the name of the Lord in vain is still telling us that you shouldn't say something and not fulfill it because the Lord is watching your every word. So whether or not you think that you swore or you did not swear, the Lord said every word you speak is going to come to the judgment. So what does it matter whether he said you vowed or you didn't vow? Every idle word, it doesn't have to be a vow. Every idle word that men speak, they shall give account in the day of judgment. What more when you say I vow? If every idle word is already in judgment, what's the difference between that and a vow? It's the same. So we should be careful what we say we will do and try as much as possible to fulfill what we said we will do. And I would still address that there are situations sometimes when you say you will do something and you find that, okay, it's not possible. You should try as much as possible to let the other person know and understand why. But as much as possible, we should make every effort to fulfill our vow. Remember that there are cases where it cannot be fulfilled and the Lord understands. But when it is possible and because we are looking at it, how it's going to hurt us, we don't do it. Then be careful about that. So have you broken your vow? Whether it's in marriage or in your business or a vow you made to the Lord or something you said to someone that you would do and because you saw it was going to hurt your business or hurt you and you refused to do it. Look at Jephthah. This was his child here. What more can be more expensive than the child? That is more than your business. And yet he was able to give his child over to the Lord and fulfill his vow. Many today will change their mind and say, no, I cannot. I never intended that. It was not my daughter I mentioned. I said anything apart in my mind. I said anything apart from my daughter. I did not mean my daughter in my mind. But Jephthah did not deceive himself. He did what he was supposed to do. We should learn from there. If we have broken our vows, whether in business, with God, in marriage, or as a leader, Is there a pending vow you have not fulfilled? Now is the time to examine ourselves, mend it, fulfill them. God takes vows seriously. Remember, every idle word, we shall give account for them. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 4 to 6 says that we should be careful what we say with our mouths. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you Lord for these lessons you've taught us. We pray, forgive us for the times we've said things and we didn't fulfill it. Help us, Lord, to be careful with our words that we will fulfill what we said we will do, especially when we make agreements with people. Forgive us, Lord. Maybe we have broken our marriage vows. Anyone who has broken a vow or promise or their word that they said they will fulfill in business or just to anyone at all, have mercy on us, O Lord. And help us, Lord, to be faithful like you, to do what we said we will do when the conditions are fulfilled. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. And answering in Jesus' name of prayer. Amen.